Welcome to the A-Dub Club, a podcast about sci-fi, fantasy, technology, pop culture, the internet, and general nerdery. There are three things that are important to know. One, we occasionally use swear words, but try to stay in the range of PG-13, or at least the kind of R that cool parents are fine with. Two, we may talk spoilers. In this particular episode, we discuss a little bit of Alistair Reynolds' Galactic North, but also, this was recorded earlier this year when the big AI chatbot concern was Google's Lambda being potentially sentient, so there's no mention of other stuff that came out more recently that you might be thinking of, like, say, chat GPT. So, be warned. And finally, three, most importantly. A brain freeze happens when cold hits receptors that cause blood vessels to constrict in and around the brain, meaning it is truly a literal brain freeze. With that out of the way, welcome to the clubhouse. We have snacks. Welcome to the A-Dub Club. I'm Alex Wade. I'm Andrew Apple. And this is our 500th podcast. Welcome to mm-hmm. uh, all the prizes that you'll get. Um, mm-hmm. This is not a 500th podcast. What do we have, like 30, 40? This I think, is somewhere around 40. Yeah. Damn. it's a lot. I know, right? How are you doing? I am doing A-OK. It's too hot out is the big thing that's happening oh. right now in the summer in on the East Coast. It's nice and overcast right now in New York City. It actually is overcast here, too. It's just overcast and also 80-something, 90-something degrees. That sounds like the perfect weather for me, honestly. No, thank you. 85. (laughs) 85. That's what we're dealing with right now. Okay, fair. So for today, our uh, question is going to be about artificial intelligence. Taken from a NPR article, uh, can artificial intelligence come alive? Ooh, interesting, interesting. Um, or has it already? Even in that question, there's an interesting question behind the question, which is, what do we mean by come alive? Yes, that is the... Yes. <laughs> I mean that in a few different ways. Like, both there's the... Like anything, you can sort of poke it. And and we will, because my major functionally involved doing yeah, a little minor sure. in uh, philosophy of mind. So, yeah, this is going to be my my right. peak annoying episode. Um, yeah. But also even in thinking about the, like, what does it mean to be alive? That, I think, can be broken down into a couple different things when people are talking about, like, a, a, a living AI or a living computer yeah. or something like that. Of the There's the physical nature of being alive and whatever we consider life to be. There's also then the sentience and consciousness part that goes along with, like, is the thing alive but not conscious? Is the thing conscious but not yeah. alive? Is it both? Does it need to be both to be one or the other? And then there's the live of, like, you know, if you're stuck in your same job for, like, decades on end are you really alive or are you just kind of you know going mm. through life mm. um and then there's alive like in the sondheim song where you're being alive and you're singing it very loudly at the end of marriage story exactly <laughs> well what do you think can artificial intelligence be alive or come alive or whatever you said yep end of story every sin that you've killed uh is a murder but uh, uh yes i do believe AI can become sentient. See, okay. Now that's, again... Okay, yeah, become alive or... Yes, yes, right? yes. Because uh, what I was going to say is that I think yes to the sentient yeah. and or conscious, if the two are the same or if the two are different, um, and no, or rather, the question of it... I, I think, to me, I see sentience as different from aliveness. And I could see a world in which a synthetic system could be alive... Or I could see a world where a artificial intelligence could be sentient but not alive. I guess is the is this the better way of phrasing it. Like the physicality of like how a leaf is alive versus how a computer is not alive. Yes, that would be a good way of putting. At least where my head's initially at. Or and then this is sort of more of the leap of faith thing on my side is that like I, th- in the way that I think of what consciousness is or sentience yeah. is that could exist in a thing that doesn't have whatever biochemical things we consider to be alive. Interesting. So why, why not? Like what if, what if someone made like a Frankenstein lab grown person, for example, that is, Mm -hmm. I mean, that is artificial intelligence in a different way because it is artificially Mm -hmm. made, right? Like, sure. Like, I, I don't understand. I don't see the difference between blood and guts versus 
wires and like silicon based life versus carbon based life right okay um, yeah i think part of that is coming at the limits of my understanding of the life side of the equation that i guess in my head i sort of see there's stuff that's made out of i, I think yeah that a thing can there can be silicon based versus organic based life there could also be silicon-based versus organic-based consciousness, and that you could have Venn diagrams of all of those different things could at least theoretically exist. So a thing could be... Interesting. Like in that case, the Frankenstein could be alive but not conscious. It could be alive and conscious, uh, yeah. depending on on how it is made and what sort of stuff gets rock and rolling. And then again, I think... Thank you for bringing up the leaf example. I think the leaf is the good um, yeah. point of the non-conscious organic uncontroversially living thing Um, and also i think relatively uncontroversially non-conscious yeah interesting so your your definition of life is organic none well not necessarily i could see here in the thinking of all of those different um venn diagrams the two that i think uncontroversially do exist in the world and i think most people would agree with is that you can have things that are organic based alive and can be conscious like a person or they can be non-conscious like a leaf um the thing that i think we both sort of intuitively it sounds like think is possible and plausible is a thing that is non-organic and is sentient the questions then is is it possible to have a thing that is non-organic alive and not sentient and is it possible to have a thing that's non-organic sentient and not alive wait non-organic alive not sentient so i think in that case that i'd be thinking that as an example of like what if there's a simulated model or there's a like thing made out of silicon that is in effect like a slug um or like the um something that can simulate that would that be considered does it hit a point where that gets to be considered alive even if it wouldn't be anything resembling consciousness yeah well i i do think the thing that brings artificial intelligence alive is its consciousness like like there the markers for becoming alive are not just sentience but it can be alive like sentience pushes it into living interesting okay that yeah because that's sort of what i was getting at that yeah. In in my gut feeling, I I see them as distinct enough that there could be the that's that's what there I could be there could be the Venn diagram of sentient but not alive. Um, but it sounds like you're saying no, necessarily no. sentience. Yeah, requires and confers aliveness. Yes, I guess. Ooh, I mean, it's okay. all just pedantic, okay. like. What are our definitions of Welcome these to Philosophy words? of Mind, baby. It's all about yeah. arguing about pedantic <laughs> definitions and priors. It's all about uh, nailing down your premise, uh, premises. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, I guess by that's just my arbitrary definition of living and what that means, which is weird. Yeah. yeah. I guess, I guess, I guess the word alive is too, too vague of a notion that is. Do we want to drill down and say like, focus more on the consciousness sentience bet yeah yeah i think just the word alive is just is is just vague um yeah yeah and yeah sentience sentient versus organic i think is a more like those are the two <laughs> those those are two qualities of of some living things or consciousness is a interesting i think i think that's what confuses me most about it is like everything that is conscious or has consciousness is living but the only that can only possibly be organic things right now and like that's yeah. why like right now everything that is alive or everything that is conscious is alive or is a I living thing that. so that's yeah. where i get tripped up when i think of like oh therefore consciousness means living and i think that also ties into sort of the second order things that we'll probably get to at some point in the conversation around if a thing is conscious, what does that imply in terms of other things like what sorts of rights does it have? How should it be treated yes. in the world? What sorts of um, responsibilities does it have, et cetera, et cetera? Where right now, yeah, exactly like you said, everything that is conscious is currently alive and everything that is alive currently is organic. And so, therefore, you can build a whole bunch of second order things on top of that that yeah. 
have at least some reasonable coherence, at least enough to be able to go about your day without losing your mind. As technology changes, does that either necessitate a changing of those definitions or does it necessitate changing of second order things, but keeping the definitions the same? And I don't know. And we'll keep talking through it for the next hour or so. Cool. So now that we've uh, very securely defined the definition of alive, what do you think, uh, do you think AI or silicon based computers, et cetera, et cetera, whatever can become conscious? Yeah. hundred percent. Yes. I guess dive, dive into that a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. So I think laying out a little bit of my priors here, um, because this is the one time where it actually makes sense to talk about it on on this yep. forum. My major in college, a dumb thing called symbolic systems. Everywhere else calls it cognitive science, um, because that's a name that makes more sense and is more easily understandable what it is you're actually trying to do. But we called it symbolic <laughs> systems because we're special. But the gist being, hey, let's you know, in the 70s, a bunch of researchers and academics from uh, psychology, philosophy, neuroscience, linguistics, and computer science all realized, oh, we all are fundamentally interested in the question of cognition and the brain and the mind and all that fun stuff, but we're tackling it from different directions. What if we all team up like an academic Voltron and try and learn from each other. And so voila, cognitive science as a field is born. And then what that means is that's what I majored in in college. And in particular, you had to take a certain number of philosophy classes. And generally speaking, including what I did, it was just like, unless you're doing a philosophy concentration for the major, it's all right, well, what fits my schedule? Which ones should I take? Um, it, by Hook by quirk of of scheduling, um, all of the ones I took were philosophy of mind classes. Um, so, <laughs> ooh, am I interested in this now as a subject? Anyway, so that means I'm going to say a lot of annoying terminology and reference thought experiments over the course of this conversation, most certainly. But I think in all of that, the in the sentience and consciousness thing, where I kind of see us at right now is there's enough philosophical argument that like no one has been able to totally nail it down in just the world of philosophy. Like everyone has very strong beliefs of like, this is right, this is wrong. But like, yeah. it's not the kind of thing where it's universally settled of like, this is how consciousness works. And we can reason into it purely by via philosophical logic. At the same time, there's a whole lot of scientific progress in the worlds of psychology and neuroscience and computer science towards like understanding consciousness, the brain, the mind more. And, you know, we're learning more and more. And where I think my head is at right now is that I, I don't think right now we know enough about the brain to be able to conf truly confidently, you know, with anything resembling scientific accuracy, actually say and predict, yes, this is what consciousness is, and therefore we can reason into whether or not a computer can yeah. be it. What I do think is that we've learned a lot, and there's a whole lot more still to learn. And in that world, whichever position you take, if your position is anything other than we don't know yet, um, if you either take a our position of, yep, totally, it's sentient, or it's possible for it to be sentient, or you take the opposite and say, nope, there's something irreducible about the mind that makes it that or whatever sure. argument you take. Both of them do require a leap of faith at some point and say, like, based on the best available evidence here, I'm going to jump further beyond and say, sure. I think we're probably going to end up in this space. And for me, that leap of faith, like, based on everything that I've seen, I think the, the one that kind of crystallized it for me was taking philosophy of mind, the, like, 200-level philosophy of mind class, at the same time I was taking a neuroscience class. And yeah. in that class... The philosophy of mind one was sort of split into there's parts of it that were talking about consciousness, parts of it that were talking about free will, some of the other like big questions in philosophy of mind. But we were in the consciousness section at the same time in the neuroscience class, we were learning about memory and learning that like, oh, there is neuroscientific like we kind of have figured out how memory works. And I don't totally remember how it is now, but it's like, sure. oh yeah, it's this combination of neurons doing this combination of thing and it has this chemical basis to it. And like when that happens at brain scale, it turns into memory and we pretty much understand it. And like having those two together is like, well, memory feels like one of those things that's so sort of irreducibly conscious and irreducibly mindy that to know that there is a scientific explanation for it and that scientific explanation is explainable and reducible, that's what lets me take that leap of faith and say, yeah. well, what if everything else is also like that? We don't understand it yet. We're a long way yeah. away from doing it. Maybe we never 
we'll be able to in terms of our actual technological feasibility, but theoretically at least, sure. Yeah, yeah. maybe everything is reducible yeah. in this way to will we be able to do it or maybe maybe not, but like yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I to- totally agree with that sentiment. I yeah, what, <laughs> no, no, no. What about you? What, what where where does your vibe or what what leads you towards this intuitive understanding of yeah, AI could be sentient. Yeah, um, I mean, it's I I just think we're meat and flesh, and like the brain isn't any different. And of course, like if we, we, I, I, there's no reason for me to believe that eventually, given enough time, knowledge, practice, whatever, we wouldn't be able to recreate something like the brain in some other form, uh, whether that's you know on a computer or in real life someday. Alex so, Wade, like, materialist icon. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like a, a, I I can't think of why we wouldn't be able to do that, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I think it, I do think a lot of it comes down to sort of the questions of what is it in the same way that we were talking about, like, what do we define as alive? Like, what do we define as consciousness, sentience, um, I'm good. Let's just say consciousness for the sake of the rest of this, because sure. I think theoretically there's arguments as to which they might be different, and sure. the two terms can be used in various interchangeable ways. But I, I, I don't want to keep saying consciousness or sentience uh, over and over again. But I think, yeah, f- figuring out what do you even mean when you're talking about consciousness is a thing that could potentially open the door towards more debate as to whether or not a non-organic material would be able to do it i will admit it's hard for me to leap into those those arguments based on my priors based on my intuitive belief yeah i'm so i guess in a more immediate term like this is you know the someday eventually this thing will happen but like when do these things start getting rights and stuff like that you know it's like dolphins for example they have been deemed to have some huge level of intelligence, possibly uh, equaling our own. And I feel like the world is slowly starting to like treat them slightly with more respect, but that that feels like the morally correct thing to do eventually for dolphins and octopuses, I'm pretty sure as well are pretty smart. But when does, when does that come into play? Like, like right now, for example, there's, there's the obvious thing of that happened a month or two ago of uh, the Google, AI sentient chatbot that one of the engineers believes is now sentient. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think about yeah. that situation? By the way? Yeah, that is an interesting way to think about it in terms of, I, I guess you're sort of getting at the point of there's the academic interesting, like we just want to learn more about how the universe works and to be able to say like, yes, this thing is or isn't sentient is academically interesting. But at the end of the day, yeah. it's like, well, what is it? What does it mean for it to be sentient? It means anything that we build on top of sentience in terms of like, how do we treat things? Yeah. So like, or it doesn't matter if we, if it is or isn't sentient, if we're not going to treat it in the way that we treat sentient things. Um, And yeah, that's, that's an interesting question that it does seem like the dolphin example and the octopus example highlights that so much of what we think of as consciousness and sentience is based on like humans have this experience of it and therefore we feel like we have or like i feel like i'm conscious and yeah. i'm going to make that leap and make the assumption that well based on the way everyone else around me is acting i'm going to assume they also are conscious and then we're all going to do that and we're going to compose a society where there's this baseline assumption that everyone is conscious unless you're in the 17 and 1800s and incredibly racist, in which case then you're going to explicitly try and say that certain people of other races and ethnicities are not conscious um, in horrific phrenological pseudoscience. But is the definition of consciousness so inherently human centric that when do we consider it applicable to a dolphin or an octopus? And Yeah. yeah, where are those lines drawn? And so you already said yeah. that, like, yeah, you think that probably we should, or is this a fair assumption of what you or a recitation of what you were saying before that, yeah, probably they should be considered sentient. We don't yet, and it will probably be a progression in further human empathy and understanding to get to the point where we'll realize that actually, yes, 
your dolphins, your octopuses, other very smart animals should be yeah. considered consciousness and should be therefore given more rights than they're given now? Yes. Um, I don't know too much about it, but I know generally that it's like, yeah, that I think is kind of trending with what I'm saying. They should be treated better. Like yeah. they are, they're at a level of, of they feel pain and emotions. And I mean, I think also just in general, like I, I am, I'm not a vegan or a vegetarian. Um, but if uh, I wasn't as lazy as I was, I probably would be, you know, and I think morally it's probably better to not eat meat because they are living things. The pain one is interesting that yeah. does it feel like the pain thing is a big – is one of the stronger motivators in when you're thinking about like we should be treating it's, animals it's, and stuff better? It's a funny question because my opinion on it is I'm not completely sure, but I know societally opinions around like, oh, we have rules on like cage-free chickens and like how humanely we treat these animals that like, you know, they – are being grown to be eaten and it's like why do we care about the suffering of animals that are going to die and like why if we think of them as lesser it's just it's a very it's that's just a very weird concept to me of like yeah trying to you're treating things humane how can you treat these animals humanely when you're killing them like mm. like that doesn't seem that's not humane treatment of animals you're you're you're, kill, you're killing them like yeah. <laughs> oh no they they also suffered a little along the way well yeah but you're also killing them like oh no they're cramped also you're killing them like it's just it's such a weird disconnect for me like if we care if you care about that stuff then don't eat meat and i guess that to, to bring back to sort of the, the consciousness point is it does seem like in terms of at least sort of popular conception and i think i sort of agree with this though maybe if this gets poked out more it gets more nuanced it does seem like the consciousness thing is sort of an all or nothing it's you are or you aren't there isn't really yeah broadly yeah. speaking the conception of like oh this is a kind of conscious thing or this is on a sliding scale of that if you think that treatment of things say a chicken should be in some way either conditioned on or related to their status as having some level of consciousness and if you think that consciousness is more all or nothing of they are or they aren't then yeah having a in-between take seems weird where it's like well yeah. either you're causing a lot of harm or you're causing a little bit less harm i guess the counterpoint to that would be the well if you did truly believe that they are conscious then you should want to do anything that you could, even if it's just a half measure, is better objectively better than do sure. it. Sure, but you know, I if, guess that also just yeah, gets to the overall thing of like incrementalism versus ab absolutionism or absolutism and blah blah blah. But yeah, but also in that regards, like you 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 know that you're taking concessions would be incrementalism versus like you think that sure it is that oh yeah because you, you're done at that point or, or you're you're finished after you take these half measures um and you're like you you just want them to live a better life but you yeah. still eat them pinning down a little bit more so do we th do we think that pain is a necessary component for sentience Ooh, like if there was a chicken that was genetically bred to not feel pain or a dolphin even let's take the example of something that's more what we would normally nominally consider intelligent but couldn't feel pain well, then, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say pain is a necessary feature of sentience. Like, I think it's a common thing, but I don't know. What What about pain makes you think? Why, why do you do you think that pain is a necessary component of conscious sentience? I don't know. I am torn because I think it. I guess to think of a consciousness that doesn't feel pain would be one that is very alien from any human experience of it both pain in the true physical sense of like wired up to pain receptors and the pain as metaphor of like, because we have this physical understanding of what pain is, we're able to use pain as a metaphorical thing to talk about like other forms of suffering that are emotional and psychological and stuff like that. Even if it's yeah. not literally firing a nerve receptor in the same way. I don't know. I'm yeah, it would definitely be a very, very alien experience 
it's hard. It it definitely gets very ship of Theseus where I'm like, I don't think that maybe we can just keep prodding at this more. I think I kind of agree that it's not necessary, but it's yeah. pretty big. And then the question is, are there hmm, maybe here's the better question. I think I agree that maybe pain in and of itself is not necessary for consciousness. Are there other phenomena along those lines that are necessary? And if not, is it the kind of thing where it's like in a ship of Theseus way, there's some total amount of like, if you truly have none of these phenomena that we recognize, you know, pain, joy, self-awareness, et cetera, et cetera, is or is there a point where, yeah, you can take away some of those, but you get to some point where you take away too many of them and then it tips back over into, no, not conscious anymore? Interesting. <sighs> yeah, that's, I don't know. That's that's a very hard question. <laughs> yeah. There's the idea of, of like Sims and like torturing your Sims. And it's like, that's very obviously not like a horrible thing to do because it's a computer game and they're very clearly not mm-hmm. anywhere near consciousness, right? Um, but then there's... That one Black Mirror episode, I think I brought this up one time in a different A-Dub club. Um, oh, we did a whole episode on it. On this one specific topic? Mm-hmm. Or on, 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 let me look it up, the club. That's where you can find all of our episodes. Um, you can go to our topic guide, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Um, skip back to the end of the episode. Um, I'm pretty sure that, uh, yes, episode something um episode number three i've put people in a swimming pool the question are simulations ethical and we discussed the uss callister hang the dj and san junipero episodes of black mirror okay yeah so i mean i'm sure i've talked about i haven't re-listened that in a bit but i'm sure this is what i said before around like oh there's the episode where it's basically star trek and he has his own human ai simulations in there and like is torturing them and holding them there against their will. And uh, it's very clearly, the show is definitely taking the stance like this is a very wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I also think that I agree that is a very wrong thing to do because they, I mean, they feel sentient. You know, they are portrayed as like, oh, we are full human beings just in a simulation. And like, you know, what's the the, the line? It is, you know, the ship of Theseus line of like, oh, how how many things do you take away from them until they become Sims again, you know? One that I do think maybe might be necessary. I I think there's something there with self-awareness of like some understanding of thinking of yourself as a, as a being with conscious understanding of your own mental states. I think there's something there that like that, that might be the one that gets the closest to being a necessary condition, which I think even in that Sims example of like, I mean, because we're watching a TV show and the TV show where the main characters are the simulated ones and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's very clear that these characters know, not just know that they're in a simulation, which is one level of it, but know that they are even their simulated selves have that, even before they know that they're in a simulation, have that self-knowledge of their own men- mental states and their own, like, they think of themselves as as people. And I don't know, to me, that sort of feels like yeah. the one that's the closest to, if you don't have that, maybe that tips you over into you're no longer conscious. And I guess does get the closest to, if we're thinking about like, what are the things that we ascribe rights and consciousness to today yeah. in the world? You know, a lot of animals that don't pass the mirror test as yeah. sort of like an extreme example. Um, mirror test being, if you look in a mirror, do you realize that the one on the other side of the mirror is you? Or do you think of it as another cat that, or what have you? That's a weird one. Like, I don't understand why. Why is that a test? I I th- I think that one is also like it's like with a lot of social science things it's like eh it's kind of been debunked and it doesn't really totally work. I think it it I can understand I think it was sort of used as a well how the fuck are we going to be able to figure out if a cat knows if a cat has any understanding of self-awareness and I guess let's try sure. this and let's see. I think maybe part of it is that there it's a test that some an- most animals fail but some animals pass. Sure. Um suggests there's something important to it but i think it's one that is probably actually a bad example now and i think more people have turned away from it exactly like you're saying of like does that actually really show us or it shows us something but is the something it shows us 
self, actually self-awareness or something else. Yeah. The Wikipedia page for the mirror test does have fun lists of like, who are the animals that have passed? Who are the ones that have failed? Generally, dolphins passed, killer whales passed, a lot of chimps and gorillas, some birds, some fish. Ooh. Cats and dogs, however, do not pass. Oh, how dare they? They fail. What, what do you think about the idea of self-awareness of some shape or form being a necessary condition to Ooh. the kind of consciousness that we would give rights to? Interesting. I, I, before you said asked that question, I would have said like fundamental. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like why? I, I think it's the sort of thing that it's like we in order for something to have to be seen as having that as, as to be seen as having sentience or consciousness or whatever, that is a necessary piece on the outside. But for that actual person, like if you don't have self-awareness, I don't know if it's, it's, if you aren't that, if you aren't conscious because of it, does that make sense? Ooh, I think so. Let me restate that. So basically what you're saying is for, us to be able to make that leap of faith and assumption that, yes, you are a conscious being, therefore I'll treat you like a conscious being. Yeah. We need to assume that you have some self-knowledge. Correct. But if you don't, and if, if we're wrong about that and you actually don't, does that actually make you not conscious or is that just a tool that we use as a shorthand yes. to say like, yes or no? Exactly. And um, Yeah. So is, is it that you are still conscious or is it that you are successfully faking consciousness? Wait, not necessarily. Wait, say that again. Thought experiment version. Um, have a third friend who joins the podcast. We assume and think that that person has self-awareness. It turns out that they don't, but we never know that. Does it mean that person is, yes, they're still conscious. We were just using self-awareness as a tool a shorthand for sure. us to be able to see it from the outside? Or does it turn out that actually, no, that person isn't conscious. They just successfully faked it enough for us gotcha. to be able to think that it is. So no, that's not exactly what I was saying. What I was trying to say is more like okay. if this person does not, does not have self-awareness and does not claim to have self-awareness, oh. like, is that still consciousness or is that? Yeah. Okay. Like for no, I, us, I, I, I think yeah. we're saying a similar thing. Fake maybe is fake is the wrong word because it ascribes intention. So not necessarily saying they're intentionally faking, just like they are a sim. We think that it's conscious, but in fact they aren't. Would be the that's sort of what I meant by faking. I, uh, of just no, no, like, no, more more the opposite of like we can't know if they're conscious unless they have self awareness to tell us that. But oh, if they don't okay. have self-awareness and they can't tell us that because they don't have self-awareness to tell us of what they are, then we cannot know if they're conscious. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. I don't yeah. know. What defines conscious? That's so hard. Yeah. That's, right? Yeah. I think therefore I fucking am. And like, who, who are we to judge other people? But also we're the ones that have to judge. He without sin may cast the first stone. Fuck that bullshit. <laughs> yeah speaking of that of uh so this new google ai chatbot sentient living well sorry living's a little word yeah i think not yet interesting but i think i'm in in the I think I'm in between the yeah, so for context, if somehow you listen to this podcast and like the kind of stuff that we like but haven't read the news story, Google Engineer working on the responsible AI team did a bunch of chats with a chat bot that they put together called Lambda, and then got concerned and was like, Oh no, I think this is sentient, wrote up a whole bunch of stuff about it internally, tried to hire an attorney on behalf of the AI, and then Google's like no, we don't agree with that. And then he went public with it and then they put him on leave. And then broadly speaking, the AI and philosophy world and like AI ethicist world, basically everyone said like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 this is not sentient. No, no, no. Um, it's just yeah. a chatbot. He, on the other hand, is like, mm, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's actually sentient. I think we're, I, I, I think I, I'm in the camp more the camp of the no, it's not sentient, 
but I'm more persuadable and more interested in the, well, maybe what if it is, than at least a lot of people who seem to be sort of dismissing it out of hand. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it's, that's also the problem with this. Like the whole point of this is to convince people that it is real or not real, but like is, is a, is a person, right. And mm-hmm. to have a conversation with someone and what is it, what is the difference between convincing someone that you are coming, I don't know, coming up with original thought. What even does that mean? Right. First off, could a chat bot ever become sentient? And what does that look like? And why don't you think this is that? Yeah. And I think, yes, part of why, and this is me getting annoying and philosophy 101 or half remembered philosophy 101 and 201, the critique of it that people have been saying like, no, 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 it's totally not sentient has been sort of saying that like, yes, it's just a pattern matching machine. It's doing a very good job of pattern matching, but like there is no understanding behind what it's doing. It's just like looking at a whole list of stuff, doing a probabilistic model and saying, based on the input that you gave me, this is the input that feels the most like what a human would say. Great. I'm going to throw it out there. Um, And uh, (laughs) what is the difference between that and humans? (laughs) Right. Um, And so if you'll permit me, if you'll permit me a little thought experiment, this is the one that came to mind. Um, So imagine that you are, I I hope I haven't done this on the podcast already, but I very well might have. Um, So imagine there is a English speaker that's in a room. They're sitting in this room and there's, they have a book in front of them and they have, you know, a sheet of paper and a pencil. They get a piece of paper slid under the door of the room that um, has a bunch of symbols that they don't understand written on them. But they can open up the book and based on the book, there's like instructions that say like, if you see these symbols, you should respond with these other sets of symbols. And they diligently go through this big giant book and then based on what those symbols are, write out the what whatever the book tells them to write out on the next side. And they pass that new piece of paper that they wrote out to the person on the outside. Now, unbeknownst to the English speaker that's inside of the room, what the person on the outside was, was it was someone who was fluent in Chinese, wrote down Chinese characters, passed them in, and then got an appropriate answer in Chinese written back out for them. That as far as the person on the outside can tell, it's like, oh, I'm conversing with a Chinese speaker. You know, Let's say it's a perfect simulation yeah. of that. The question then becomes, well, does the guy understand Chinese or not? Um, and clearly... The person who is making the thought experiment, who is trying to say that, like, obviously, this means a machine would never be able to be have true understanding and therefore be truly sentient. Obviously, the person on the inside of the room doesn't. And if we extrapolate that to then say, hey, well, what is a computer but a process that's running a set of instructions? If we scale up this room infinitely, that doesn't at any point tip over into understanding because the person inside the room still never understands it. They're just pattern matching. And therefore, a computer can never understand, quote unquote, um, Chinese. It can only pattern match. (laughs) So one, what do you think about that? Just generically, Uh, before I tell you my thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts on it. Well, then what is like the definition of understanding and why are humans not just pattern matching, so to speak? And how is that? How are we different than the computer in this way? Like what, what is special and unique about our own brains recalling information quote unquote understanding versus a computer doing that. Yep, exactly. That's my take, <laughs> entire take. Um, I, yeah, basically, I think the two thoughts are the one, maybe there's premise. an argument to be said that the person in the room doesn't quote unquote understand Chinese. But if you think of the room as a system, including the book, the room understands Chinese is sort of one sure. thought that is kind <laughs> of. And so I think that then also, like, if you extrapolate that to the computer version, you would say, okay, yeah, the little process inside that is using the instruction book, maybe the process itself doesn't understand Chinese, maybe the book itself doesn't understand Chinese, but the whole system does. Yeah, it's like, like, okay, thanks, yeah. Am I a co-host on this podcast or is it just my voice that is the co-host? And like, no, that's not how beings work. And like, just because... Uh, it's it's interesting you use the word the room understands is a weird way to mm-hmm. phrase it, which that when you apply that to a computer, it makes a lot more sense. Like the computer understands because you're attributing sentience to this sort of thing. 
versus a room understanding rubs me wrong. Yeah, which I think is sort of the point of the thought exercise that's supposed to like intuitively make you say, make you weirded out by it and say like, no, obviously not. And therefore the guy's like, great, that's why I'm right. And computers can never be sentient. Weirdly, sure. his actual argument is less... Uh, Logan Searle, I think, is the guy who did it. Um, his real argument leans more on the like, oh, no, no, no. I do actually think that humans are fundamentally like information processing machines and blah, blah, blah. But the thing that makes us special is the fact that we have nerves and that we have like electrochemical stuff. And like, <laughs> he's very based on like what we think of as consciousness and sentience is totally dependent on having an actual organic body. Which is oh weird, but whatever. But I guess that's another whole argument that one could have. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I sort of I lean the same way that I'm like the the two arguments that work for me against that thought experiment are the the room understands Chinese or the argument of yeah, like like exactly what you said. Well, who's to say that the human brain is not just a pattern matching system and maybe a pattern matching system with another routine running on top of it that gives you the illusion of more agency and intentionality and things like that that like maybe that's just another thing inside the book is that the like tell the weird second thought that's inside of your head that's thinking to the other thought that this is coming from something other than a probabilistic data processing model that is imprinted on neurons or whatever yeah for sure um interesting yeah which i mean so that's sort of where i'm like the with the lambda thing of that's why I'm in the no, not yet, but it could. And that's what kind of does rub me a little bit the wrong way about um, the responses of like the, oh, well, no, it clearly doesn't have understanding. It's just a pattern matching thing. Or I'm like, well, what if we're just pattern matching things also? Yeah. Yeah. Where do you draw the line between yeah. real sentience? And if we're defining sentience as being like a human, and if you assume the humans are pattern matching information processing machines, where yeah. do you? draw that line so tying this back to lambda why not yeah why i think the two easy the two easy answers which are a little bit cop-outy is one apparently a lot of those answers that he gave were actually like relatively edited to make them sound better and oh. like the actual conversation was not as like creepy and comprehensive as it was made in like the washington post article and stuff like that so that's an easy cop-out answer of like okay it's just not even as good as it looked like it was um from that sure. point the other one that i think i need to grapple with a little more and i'd love your take on is the thing about lambda apparently is that it's sort of good at generating personalities based on the input that comes in and so like if you talk to it and like, depending on how you start off the conversation and how you have the conversation go, a different sort of flavor of this Lambda personality will come out that's well suited to whatever thing that you're doing. Code switching. Codes, yeah, code switching. But it's sort of a, I need to break thing. this apart a little bit more. But the like, if you're going into a conversation with Lambda from the perspective of like, he even says in the thing of like, I think that you're sentient i want to talk more about this and then you get a bunch of responses that sound like a sentient robot talking then does that tip more into just pattern matching but without whatever is that ineffable thing that tips over into intentional consciousness um sure. or is it just that this is something that's alien because a real person can't like you said they can code switch but they can't code switch to the degree that this AI can, which is like, yeah. it can truly fully reformulate its personality such as it is um, yeah. to anything because it has the capabilities of a AI in a way that a human can't. A human is a little bit more locked into at least some guardrails of who they are as a sure. person. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. I don't know. It's a tough question. Maybe we should ask yeah. Lambda. Should we, uh, should we get him on the, on the show? Mm hmm. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a fun guest. Yeah. Our first Wait, guest. A robot. Can we have I I don't think we can I think it's not published and like usable yet by non like invited people. Damn it. Okay. GPT three though, I think there's some let me see if we can use it. Isn't AI just like a lot of if statements? Right. Okay, well, I'm very quickly getting bored by trying to figure out if we can use um, <laughs> a GPT-3 or not. What do you think the inception of artificial intelligence um, really started out as? Maybe like Frankenstein? 
Hmm. First sort of like, I guess, I guess men has always been trying to play God in general, but. Ooh, okay. Actually, that's a good point because the one other thing that does give me a little bit of pause towards what I said earlier around the like, I'm totally willing to take that leap of faith and say, yes, I think that computers can be sentient. And I guess as a corollary to that, the human brain works as an information processing machine, an information processing machine that is either analogous or can be totally represented by a Turing complete computing device. The, The thing that does give me a little bit of pause about that is the only thing that I can remember that was of any use in the Cognitive Science 101 class, which was the only one that was actually like technically in the symbolic systems department. Every other class I took was in the philosophy or linguistics or whatever department. But in one of the introductory lectures, they did sort of point out that like, if you go back as far throughout human history, everyone has always used whatever was the most advanced technological thing as the metaphor for the brain. So if you go, like, if you re- are reading back, like, ancient Greek stuff, or even back in a lot of Shakespeare plays, there's a lot of talk about, like, thinking about the brain as a book or thinking about the brain as a library. Um, yep. And then you go forward into, like, said, the Industrial Revolution, and there's a lot of thinking of the brain as a steam-powered machine because, like, that was the technological advance. And then, sure enough, we're thinking of the brain as computers in the yeah. 20th century and 21st century. So that's the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause um, in sort of getting back to that, like, well, we've always considered artificial intelligence and we've considered it through the metaphor of whatever is our greatest technology at the time. Um, yeah. On the one hand, that could be totally in support of my leap of faith and to say like, yeah, we've always been thinking about this and yeah. maybe those are wrong or maybe you want to get really fancy and say like, well, technically you can do a tour and complete computer in a book if you wanted to blah 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 um but the that is the other thing that i'm like what if this is the thing that like in 50 years we'll look back and people will be like you thought that the brain was a computer Ugh, of course you did dumb 20 early 21st century people yeah. <laughs> in the same way that if we would look back and say like you thought the brain was a steam engine all right fine um so uh, we'll see yeah that's uh there's one short story in the book of uh, galactic north by Alistair Reynolds, which we read in high school. Yeah. Uh, there was one short story in there that was about, there was this frozen planet, like everyone had died. Uh, or, or it was people, it was like their research on the planet and somehow everyone died, um, like 50 of them or whatever, um, or five, whatever. Turns out there was a guy who had gone around killing everyone because he believed that the planet itself was sentient because it had either ants or worms, I think, that burrowed holes throughout the planet and basically created a neuron system based off of their different um, like pheromones they were going off and like that directed them to where they would be going on next. And so like, you know, a neuron firing was the equivalent of a worm going along a given path. And the researchers were like drilling into the planet and like burning away the ice, which was like, in theory, destroying part of the brain of the planet. That was a very interesting concept. Interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to read that. I forgot that one. Um, yeah. Glacial, apparently, is the name of the story. Yes. For the Wikipedia entry. Yeah. I guess that's the other thing, too. The question of, like, do we have do we have sentient artificial intelligence now? Will we ever have it in the future? I think another thing that makes me feel like, yes, we theoretically could, or be able to feel both, yes, we theoretically could, and maybe we actually won't, is the... I think a thing that makes a lot of people be like, oh, it's not theoretically possible is the fact that, well, computers are really great. And if computers are really great, how do we not have real AI yet? And therefore, we'll never be able to do it. But at the same time, like the misunderstanding of just how complicated the brain is, and I think people aren't willing to take that leap of aren't willing to take the leap of the brain is sufficiently complex that things that we think of like consciousness are emergent properties coming out of this crazy complicated machinery um, and instead think that, no, there must be something, a difference in kind, not just a difference in degree between what the brain can do and what a computer can do. But at the same time, like we've gotten to the point where we can effectively simulate a worm brain. And like, that's how complicated the brain is, is that all of our crazy (laughs) computing power right now can, we're now at the point where we can do worms Um, so that's what makes me think that like well theoretically if we can do a worm 
we could do a human brain, but maybe practically yeah. we'll never actually get to the point where we have that level of computing power. I mean, yes, but also, uh, I mean, I think that's assuming a lot of um, like the brain, super complex, highly advanced thing that was made by nature and like no disrespect to nature, but like we can do things better than as they were naturally made. So like, why is, I guess, reconstituting a human brain specifically around like, oh, getting all the connections and neurons linked up to each other in that specific way, different than, I don't know, creating things normally or not normally, but like normal, normal computing, software engineering tricks and stuff. That's that fair. I think, th- I, th- I, th- yeah, cause I think that's sort of like the two different poles in artificial intelligence research are the ones that are about the way that we get to an artificial intelligence is by recreating the brain, but simulating it. Um, and then another that is we do it by no, just ignoring how the brain actually works, but instead come up with things that will get us to the same result or yeah. the same functional result. Um, interestingly, I don't actually totally know where like deep learning and neural networks live on that spectrum, because on the one hand, I think it's trying to go away from the let's try and program out the way that a brain would do a thing. But at the same time, it's like taking literally called neural networks, taking the idea of yep. like the way learning happens in neurons and then saying, okay, we're going to kind of build a s- simpler version of what the brain does and then just have it run wild and learn instead of trying to program it out. So I don't actually know if neural nets are which pole those would land in, but sure. But yeah, no, I think the point, point taken of, yeah, I guess the, the, the getting to all of this of our experience the way we define consciousness is very dependent currently on the fact that we think that humans are conscious and therefore we're defining it in human ways and yep. if it's theoretically possible which i do think yes um, i think it would be theoretically possible to simulate a human brain and all its complexity if given sufficient computing capability and so therefore my assumption would be yes that would become a fully sentient thing in the in the same way that a brain is, um, yeah. but that doesn't mean it's the only or even the most effective way to get to that point. Yeah, interesting. I think Brains. the one other thing that comes to mind, tying back to what you were saying before, is there's the question of is a thing actually conscious, an AI or whatever. Then there's the question of how would we know, or how would it prove it, or how would we be able to figure that out. And it does seem like language-based stuff has the highest likelihood of being something that could prove its consciousness in comparison to a non-language-based AI. Like, whether or not we actually would consider it conscious, I think it's much more likely that... It doesn't surprise me that this guy was freaking out about a chatbot before it started freaking out about a chessbot. It, in the same way of like the, the yeah, how do we f- figure out if a thing is conscious? We kind of have to rely on language as like the imperfect tool to get there. Yeah. I think, uh, I think probably we'll err on the side of not caution or of assuming no versus we assume yes, because it's like, oh, we're emotional beings. And when we hear something that feels like it can talk to us, like that is what will be defined as consciousness. And we will probably ignore that and probably be like, Oh no, that's just us being humans being too antsy about this thing coming. I don't know what I'm saying. No, I think that makes sense because we are incredibly good at anthropomorphizing things. Yeah, exactly. Like I love, I love my cats. Uh, They're, they're not human level conscious. Let's put it that way. (laughs) That does not stop me from ascribing conscious motivation to, um, what is probably not actually that on a day-to-day yeah. basis. What your cat isn't conscious or sentient. Yeah. 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 I guess anything else you'd want to bring up? It's weird and it's interesting. And, and I guess maybe the more that we've gone through this conversation, the more I'm like, man, it's like, how are we ever going to actually know and kind of won't be able to, uh, yeah. um, which maybe that's actually one thing that leans towards the, 
at least if it's a simulation of a human brain, and that assumes that we've gotten to the point where we understand the human brain enough, then yeah. we'll be at a point where it's easier to be able to point and say, yeah, I guess it probably must be sentient in a way that like a deep learning model is yeah. fundamentally weird enough that there'll be enough naysayers that, I don't know. If those things functioned identically or whatever metric we have that's close to identical as possible, though, yeah. it's like, oh, one is a computer program versus a simulation of a brain. I don't know. <laughs> and I guess the other, to, to that earlier point of like, should should a chatbot get rights? Yeah. There, what does that mean? I think, I, I think that's going to be an interesting case where the experience of a conscious AI and the differences in, I think that consciousness, there's enough bits and pieces, like, you don't have to have a pain sensor for it to be conscious, but the fact that it won't be able to feel physical pain will be mean that their experience is different enough that like, yeah, the question of how do we take rights that we've, what we think of as natural human rights in the context of thinking about organic humans, how much are those going to have to shift even in the yeah. world where we do decide, yes, this is sentient, yes, this gets rights, then well, yeah, what does it mean to, like, does an AI care about property rights? Does an AI care about, like, yeah, like what, what sort of things cease to become reasonable and feasible if you're distinct from a physical body? Yeah. Does it then have to be hosted on a server who pays for the server? And, like, is it a ward of the state? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? What does Weird. it want? Does what it want matter? Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Technology already breaks through so many laws that this is just going to, this is going to be an impossible one. Yeah. Yeah. We fun. Yeah. Okay. Anything else on? I think that's good. Good for me. Artificial intelligence and the brain and Lambda and whatnot. No. Well, if you... Um, want to run a chatbot through hours and hours of us talking in, in attempts to replicate oh um, <laughs> uh, replicate your own conversation with one or the both of us or replicate your own um, episode of the Adub Club, you can do that by finding our podcast wherever podcasts are found. That's Google, that's Spotify, that's Apple Podcasts. You can also visit our website, theadub.club. It's T-H-E-A-D-U-B dot C-L-U-B. There you can find our topics guide where there's a list of all the different things that we have talked about. Um, uh, and you can find... Um, now we'll have another episode that talks about simulations. Um, yeah. so you can click on the simulations tag and find this. You can also find our starter guide, which is a set of episodes that we think are particularly good if this is your first time listening and you want to try out a few other Others, or if you want to suggest the podcast to a friend, um, you can also find us on Twitter at the AW Club. That's T H E A W C L U B, and you can of course email us at the AW Club at gmail.com. That's T H E A W C L U B at gmail.com. And with that, I think that is everything. Uh, I, for one, welcome our robot overlords when they come. And AW Club out. AW Club out. Um, quick little hit. Maybe we replace it with a different end of the episode thing. I haven't watched any Avatar since the last episode. <laughs> yeah, not a single right. episode. I'm yeah, still on right. whatever episode six or something like that. Maybe a little further. Uh, I think I think it got to maybe like I forget what it was, but I think I'm some like sure. eight or ten or something. <sighs> seen a season one, man. It gets gets better. I know, I know, I know. No, right now we are watching Sopranos um, for the first time, which is very good. Um, we are watching Love Island. We are, and then got, because um, uh, uh, my girlfriend has never seen The West Wing, so we are very deep on a West Wing. Rewatch for me, first watch for her. Sure. Which is fun. It's a good we're one. about halfway through season two. Okay. Um, I started... Did you, did you watch The Boys? Not yet. I've been meaning to consider starting it. It's selling uh, on it. It's very. I don't know how you'll feel about this, but it's very uh, visceral, bloody. Um, sure. Like aggressively so, and 
very very graphic and sexual um it doesn't feel over it it does feel over the top but like that's the point but it's not for the sake of titillation um and outside of that uh it is it's a fantastic mocking mocking of american culture and like basically do you know do the conceit of the show Mm -hmm. yeah yeah just like justice league gone uh but in reality um and it's more like it's it's more a take on like oh celebrities and uh capitalism and uh like oh we we deify these people as gods and such and uh it's it's there's just so many things in it that are just <sighs> fantastic takes on society it's it's a very interesting show sure interesting um, yeah no i've mean to get to give it a try just enough people have been like it's really good you should watch it yeah superheroes as well is but it's like done done good yeah um oh. yeah no and okay, i think please, superman is uh oh the superman equivalent is is a fucking sociopath it's great sick yeah no i think that would be a good i i've mean to well, I guess Avatar should be that show, but uh, meaning to have a like, um, oh yeah, what's the show that I'm going to watch? Um, yeah, just by myself because I do not think that my girlfriend would be very into it. Not least of which the very gory pieces. Yeah, it's it is actually probably gory. exclusively the, the gory pieces would be the the, the turn off. But yeah, we it's, shall see. I'm even like usually I'm all good for good action, but this is there's times when it's just. It's too much, <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine. But yeah, no, I'll try to get at least one more avatar episode in before the next one. Cool. 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 It's a good show. It's a good, good one. Show. It's a good show.